I, I, I'd be remiss to come up and say, well, the Lord says it's repentance tonight. <laughs> uh, eh. So the gift of faith it is. And I love it when God speaks like that because to be honest, the gift of faith is one of our greatest gifts. We love it. Everything we've done is on the gift of faith. Went to Samoa, didn't know anyone on the gift of faith. Within one year, we did our first crusade. Didn't know what we were doing on the gift of faith. You know, went to Fiji. No one knew who we were. No one had a ministry opportunity for us by the gift of faith. Did seven or eight town-wide crusades in Fiji over about three years. Went to Hawaii. No one knew who we were. God said, you're going to Hawaii by the gift of faith. You know the gift of faith is God's faith? It's God's faith. It is not your faith. Oh, I've got to believe more. I've got, to, I've got the seed, but I need to plant the seed. And, you know, yeah, there's the fruit of faith. You know, there's the seed of faith, all that stuff. But if you're talking about the gift of faith, you can't do anything to get it. Sorry. It is God's faith that comes into you in a situation, in a moment of decision, in a moment of time, and suddenly you think like God. I don't want to be blasphemous here, but that's what it is. It's you start to think like God, and that is super dangerous to the devil. <laughs> you start thinking some crazy stuff in the gift of faith. Because you start, you, you see a window into the mind of God. And the Bible says that we have access to the mind of Christ. Think about that. The mind of Christ. Did Christ know any defeat? Did Christ know failure? Think about how Christ must see the world. Think about the spirit of victory that his mind must encompass. Like a warrior that has just won a battle. See, the gift of faith has a sound to it. It's the sound of an army that's just won a battle. It's that shout of victory. It's not necessarily a shout. You can shout. But it's a way of living, it's a way of acting, it's a way of stepping out that is victorious, not because of who you are, but because of who He is. Not because of what you can do, but because of what He can do in you, and you align with the mind of Christ, and you align with the faith of God, and you start seeing the world like He sees the world. That's dangerous. And sometimes we'll make decisions in the gift of faith, and then afterwards, when that gift lifts, I'll think, what have we done? <laughs> hey, babe. <laughs> what have we done? Like we were sitting in Samoa, I mean, in Fiji one time, and um, I had this prophecy about a revival coming to Fiji. And I prophesied it in this meeting. It was a, like a long prophecy. It was a revival going everywhere, da-da-da-da, all this. And I went and sat down. I heard the voice of God say, well, who's going to pay for that revival, Joe? It's going to take money. And immediately I saw this house we owned pop up in my mind. 
Now I'm seated in that anointing. I'm sitting in that faith realm. I'm sitting in that glory realm, right? Well, I'm willing to give it all. <laughs> Do anything. Go anywhere. Amen. And I turn to Leslie and I say, I just want you to know, God said, who's going to fund the revival? I saw the rental house we have, and I think we have to sell it. And I'm telling you now, because when the glory lifts, I'll talk myself out of it. <laughs> so we're, I'm accountable to you for that, you know? And then it lifts, and I'm like, oh, that's our property. That's our investment. That's our retirement. This is the key we dream, and you want me to sell it, Lord, for you? That's a funny thought in the church today. Giving all for him. Hmm. Sound like God? So we sold this house and funded this three-week crusade tour right through both islands of Fiji. Just saw hundreds saved and healed and delivered. Just had this awesome time trumpeting the move of God. And we sold the house. The guy paid cash. See, Paul's thinking, now I know why you have a house anointing. <laughs> we paid, he paid cash because he was partially blind and he had missed out on all these houses and the house had a ramp because my brother's in a wheelchair. And so he really wanted to get it. So he paid cash and he paid thousands, tens of thousands above the asking price. Like he didn't come in low ball. He came in high ball. I mean, have you ever heard someone come in in high ball? Like, actually, I want, to pay, I want to buy your house, and I'm going to pay more than what you want to sell it for. Is that all right? No, mate. No. Five grand less. I mean, sorry, sorry. You mean over? And the money came in the week of the first crusade. We managed to pay for that whole trip in Fiji and saw that island rocked and blessed by the power of God. That's the gift of faith, Amen. When the Lord was speaking to us about Hawaii, I was on my phone and it was over summer and so I was having a laugh and I was enjoying some Saturday Night Live and they were mocking Donald Trump a little bit, you know, and I was, you know, sat at Alec Baldwin, you know, and I was just having a laugh, ha, 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 you know. And um, Leslie's like, I just bought the tickets and I, to Hawaii and I paused the video and I said, we don't even know anyone there, babe. She's like, yeah, I just bought the tickets. And we started laughing in the joy of the Lord, like, ha, 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 we don't even know anyone. It was like the gift of faith kicked in. This is ridiculous. And I pressed play on the video, and Donald, Alec Baldwin, as Donald Trump, said, you've got two free tickets to Hawaii. Just as we booked the tickets, played the video, you've got two free tickets to Hawaii. And God said, the governmental authority... Alec Baldwin, playing Donald Trump, representing the Father in heaven, has given you the governmental authority over Hawaii by the gift of faith. That's all you need is God backing you up. Amen. Come on. Within three years, we're doing these meetings and pastors have come up to us and say, how did you get all these people here? I don't know. You mean there's people coming? Is this normal or what? And they're like, even flash speakers from America can't get these type of numbers in these meetings. And I was like, well, it's just miracles. It's who Jesus is. We just prayed for a bunch of people. Like this one lady. In fact, I just got a text from someone in Hawaii saying they bumped into this lady and she's still healed today. That was four years later. Don't you love that stuff when people stay healed? 
Like that should be the norm, you know. And I know sometimes it doesn't happen, but I believe that Jesus can actually do that. Amen. Like keep people healed in the church. Amen. <laughs> and she came to our meeting, slipped disc in the spine, neck brace on, pills, popping pills for something like 13 years or something. She'd had back pain. It just ruined her whole life. And in one touch of God, she got delivered of a spirit of infirmity out under the power of God, set completely free. The next event she did, we did, she did. She really did it because she brought all the people. The next event we did, she alone brought 24 people. Her whole family, her whole extended family, everyone she worked with, because they'd all seen the transformation. And out of that one miracle, her whole family got rededicated to the Lord. People got saved. They got baptized in the Spirit. They got set on fire. And she's still healed today. And the news of that miracle went throughout all Hawaii. Everywhere she goes, they're still talking about it. Four years later, I saw Ross. Guess what? She's still healed. The gift of faith. But then I have those times where I'm sitting in the middle of our Airbnb in Hawaii, two-bedroom, me and Les in one side and someone's garage, the kids in another room, a little small kitchen, and we'd sit there and watch this little TV on, in, the, in the middle between the... <coughs> excuse me. I've been tested, by the way. And, um, and um, think, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. We're in the most expensive state, in the most expensive nation in the whole world. This is crazy. And then God would show up time and time again. Amen. It's not like there's an arrogance to it. It's that you suddenly tap into the mind and the reality of God about a situation. And suddenly you see from God's perspective on something. And it's only a moment. It's a window. But in that moment and window, you speak and you act with the faith of God. You speak into chaos. And God said, let there be light. And you speak into that moment, mountain move. And suddenly it shifts. And then later you think, oh my gosh, did that really happen? I can't get my head around it. It's the realm of faith. And so I... You know, me and Liz, you know, we learned the realm of faith on the street. I learned it through my business. I learned more about faith in my business than ministering in a church environment because I was out there believing God. Do you know the gifts of God are for the marketplace? I mean, they're great up here on a Sunday, but that is really the demonstration of the gifts so that you can then carry the gifts into your nine to five and your Monday to Saturday. Amen. Hallelujah. The gifts are for the marketplace. And so God began to cultivate those gifts out there in the marketplace. And then when we went to the mission field, they just exploded because that's where they were needed. You've got to put yourself in a position where you need the gifts, man. You know, And so I made this commitment to God. I said, God, I never want to be the kind of preacher that does things up here and that never does them out there. Like that's my commitment to God because that's how he trained me. That's how he trained Leslie. I was in the school of the spirit, you know, which I, it's like the school of hard knocks, right? It's just on the street learning and going, right? And so I never wanted to get too professional. Amen? To not... Meet God 
in the marketplace with his people at the point of his need. And so I'm always challenged, particularly when we travel so much. 52 houses last year we lived in. 53. 53, that's more than one a week. And sometimes I get tired. And sometimes I just want to sit in front of the TV, man, and watch that Netflix like all yous do. Don't lie. (laughs) Amen. And that's okay. But I still have to put myself in that position, and I succeed and fail sometimes. I I miss opportunities like everyone. But I have to put myself in that position where I'm saying, Lord, if you speak in the marketplace, down the street, at the gym, I want to be open to you. I want to be open to opportunity because this is who you are. You spoke in the synagogue. You had revivals up the top of the mountain. You also found the one by the well and the three walking along the beach. And you ministered to the one as well as the crowds. Amen. Like we've had some awesome meetings the last two years, man. We've been so thankful to the Lord taking us around the nation doing revival meetings. But I'm happy with this group right here. <laughs> It's great. It means I can probably get to you all tonight. <laughs> you know? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We can't lose the importance of the one, to touch the one. And so I've got a few testimonies, and I'm going to end with a big testimony, because when you were talking about storms and faith, I was like, oh, God, don't make me say that one, because the more I talk about it, the more I think how crazy it is. And it could have been a coincidence, but I'll let you judge when I say it. But this summer, you know, I had the best summer of my life. I just chilled out. But I didn't take a break from God. Amen? You know you never take a break from the Lord, right? (laughs) It's supposed to be a relationship. It's supposed to be a relationship. Amen? We never take a break from God, right? But I was just having a great time with the Lord outside of the context of ministry. I bought some golf clubs. I walked the course. You know, when no one was there, I praised and worshipped, lifted my hand. I prayed in tongues, shaka-da-ba-ba-ba, hitting balls. Especially when they went off into the sand pit, I was really praying in tongues. And I had a great time, you know, but there's still certain times in the summer where I felt like I have to do something and connect if God is putting that unction on my life because the gifts are right there and as long as you keep them stirred up, they will work, they will work, they will work. There'll be that unction, there'll be that anointing that will fall on you, amen? Once you open that door, right? And the Lord says, oh, I see you've got the door open. Okay, here's the unction. Oh, Monday morning, here's the unction. Tuesday afternoon, here's the unction. And He'll unction you and you begin to flow with the Lord. And then when you start to dampen that gift, too tired, too busy, you shut down that still small voice a little bit, suddenly the door begins to close on the gifts. And the gifts begin to only smolder and it's harder to hear the unction, it's harder to hear the voice. And so that's when you need people like us to kick it open again, amen, and get that gift fired up again, amen, and then you step into that flow. How many know that you've been on, you know, maybe doing outreach or something, the first person you talk to is like real nervous. And then boom, all of a sudden, you know? And then the door opens and then you talk to five, six, seven people and it's just like becomes easy. Why? Because you open that door and then there was that flow. Amen? So I'm always trying to keep the flow. And when I don't, I try and repent, shift back in. I say, God, show me. And then he'll show me that flow. Amen? 
So we went down the South Island. I think we might have seen you guys. We we're coming up. We had one day off. This is in December, one day off. And we're sitting at the Nelson Holiday Park. And we drive right in. I'm thinking, I'm so looking forward to one day off, Lord. Just going to chill out, have a coffee. It's sunny, you know. And as I'm driving in, I, I see this guy, big guy, lots of tattoos on him. And I feel the unction. <laughs> big moldy guy. And I feel like, speak to him. I'm like, no. I'm just enjoying my one day off, Lord. Right? Am I, am I okay to be honest? Because I know you all think that when you get that unction too. <laughs> and so we went and we parked over by the units and stuff like that. And then, I, and then we're unpacking the car and I look up and he's walking towards me. Like this big guy with tattoos and everything. And he's got my kids in front of him. And he had hired this scooter thing for his, the children that were with. I don't think they were his kids, but he was with his children. And then he said to my kids, you can use it too. And so they were driving it home and God was literally bringing him to me. I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, could you make it any more obvious? <laughs> you know, the Lord just wants to make it real obvious, man. If we work with him, amen. So I'm like, okay, I got to talk to this guy. So I walked up to him and I said, hey brother, how's it going? He's like, hey bro. And I was just, I don't know, I was just in that gift of fast here. You're a believer? He looked at me like, uh, yeah? I mean, you know, Jesus, Jesus Christ, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, awesome, man. Because I got a word for you, bro. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. He wants to do something in your life. There's change coming to your life, and God wants to be a part of it. And I was meant to meet you today, man. He's like, oh, cool, man. I'm like, so what do you do? He's like, well, I ride bikes. And suddenly I'm thinking in my mind, oh, what kind of bikes? Harleys. Oh, okay. You're in a Harley club? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like a gang? <laughs> That's right. Oh, and you're like high up in the gang? He's like, I'm one of the leaders of the gang. Won't say what gang. Oh. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm glad you told me after <laughs> I shared with you. And I just said, well, I was meant to meet you then, brother. Because I've been praying to get into the gangs, not join them, get into them for quite a few years. And I was meant to meet you. I said, why don't we do a coffee tomorrow? Come over, we'll have a coffee. He's like, okay, bro, let's go. And I'm walking back thinking, what the heck? This guy ain't coming over for a coffee. Next day, here he is coming over for a coffee. <laughs> I'll get the coffee out. We sit on the deck and we just talk for about an hour and a half, man, just about life. And then the anointing begins to fall. And we begin to share spiritual things. And the goosebumps begin to cover his body. And I say, you know the anointing, brother. Look at those goosebumps. What happened in your life? And he starts to share how he went to church when he was 20 years old. And then the church broke up. And, and his pastor, who was like a spiritual father, left the, 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 the city. And he got hurt. And then he got into the gangs. And he's never left them. And he knows the anointing of God. And he said, I always had this dream that one day this spiritual father that left me was going to put me on a, on a pedestal and I was going to become his trophy and I was going to share his testimony. And I turned to him and I said, brother, I want you to know that that wasn't that pastor that dream was about. That was about Father God, that when you're ready to share your testimony, he's going to put you on a platform and you're going to be the father's testimony and the father's trophy. And the anointing just surged over us. And then we hongied and he left. 
And then he turned around and he said, you know, Joe, I know you now. So anything you need, brother. <laughs> anything you need, brother, you let me know. <laughs> and I said to him, well, guess what? I know you now. And so anytime you're in trouble, you let me know. Because <laughs> I know a lot more angels than gang members in your gang. Amen. Come on, Jesus. Amen. Come on. And then afterwards, I'm thinking, what did I do, man? I just talked to this guy, this lead gangster guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just step out of that realm. But it's a realm. It's a place. We're meant to go in and out so much that eventually we stop going out. Enoch was not. He was taken. Because before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. Because he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. We're supposed to go in and out. And then less out, and then less out into that realm, amen, where it's like, that guy's taken. He's gone. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so during the holidays, are, they, are these all right? Okay. <laughs> yes, sister. Come on, I need some help over here, sister. I'm trying to release the gift of faith. Come on. 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 Thank you, sister. Praise the Lord. And so at the end of last year, because I'm a I'm still got my business, even though it's doesn't do anything right now because it can't because of COVID, but it's still technically there. <coughs> and I've got this LinkedIn page. How many know what LinkedIn is? It's like a business page, right? So anyway, on the LinkedIn page, I've got just my quote at the bottom and it says, you know, giving back is the best thing you can do or something like that, you know, just some kind of business eloquent thing, putting a bit of charity mindset into there. And I get this text from this guy who from the Middle East won't name any names. And he basically says, you know, how are you? I'd like to like it. And so, you know, follow you. And so I was like, oh, I'll follow anyone. So I just followed him. Next minute, he sent me this email. You know, I'm broke. I have no money. I lost my job. And can you give me anything? And I'm like, who is this guy? You know? But because he's from the Middle East, something in me, you see, like I just, I'm like a dog with a bone sometimes. See, faith is like a dog with a bone. Faith gets that bone in between its teeth. And it doesn't give up. It wrestles. It gets that bone. Have you ever tried to get a bone off a dog? You got to be like that with the gift of faith. Amen. It's like not letting go. Amen, Seth. Amen. And so I started thinking about this guy. And then as I was going back and forth with him, I started a conversation and then I started to block him because it got too annoying. But during that process, I began to talk to people about mission work because that's what we do. We love it. We're going to keep doing it. And people began to tell me, oh, it's so hard in the Middle East. I know this person, and three years in the Middle East, she was a missionary, didn't see one soul saved. And I was like, and then another guy was like, seven years, this guy's been working in this particular city in the Middle East, hasn't seen one soul. I'm like, I don't know if that's called mission work, man. That's called stupid. Amen? Because how can we go from the disciples in the book of Acts that turned the world upside down 
right? To a situation where we're turning nothing upside down. Amen? That's just the evangelist speaking, right? And so something got me. And as I'm wrestling with this guy and I'm starting to block him, I'm like, man, I've got to prove, not to these people, but I've got to prove to myself that the gospel works. Amen. No matter where you are, no matter what country, the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Amen. He is the God of the nations that the gospel works. And so I'm, I'm getting frustrated in my spirit. You know, frustration is a good thing when it's spiritual frustration because God is trying to shed your skin and break you through to a new realm. Natural frustration is not good. That's because of unmet expectations that produce frustration, which if you let boil over, produce anger in your life. But spiritual frustration is because the cicada is trying to get out of his skin because he wants to grow. The butterfly is trying to get out of the cocoon. The little baby chick's trying to peck out of the egg because the box is too small. Whoa, I feel that anointing, man. <laughs> Somebody's box is too small. You've been pecking, frustrated, pecking at this thing. You know why that the hen won't open up the egg but lets the chick peck out of it? Because it's the pecking out of the shell that gives the egg, that gives the chick strength to live its life. And if the mother helped the hen peck out of the shell, the hen, the chick would die. It is the strength of the battle. Peck through to break through, which gives you that might, that dunamis, to then move into another level in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. But when we pull up that because, oh, Lord, why aren't you doing this? And I'm so disappointed. Why is that? Then we uproot that ability for God to work on our strength to break us through to a new level. I don't even remember what I was talking about. This guy. So, this guy. And so I'm frustrated. So I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, like a dog at a bone, I'm going to get this guy. So we start engaging, man, you know? And I start telling him, you know, I'm a Christian. He doesn't know that I'm Joe. He thinks I'm business guy. He don't know that he's got the wrong tree to bark up, you know what I'm saying? And so I started going at him. What a, I'm actually a believer, and do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes, I believe in Jesus, but you don't believe he's the son of God. And so I start debating this. He's not the son of God, you know, da-da-da-da. He's just a prophet. And what about this, uh, you know, and I start going back and forth. You know, debates don't work, right? Debates don't work, guys. We've got to have a better way, amen? We've got to have a better way. So after I was going back and forth for a while, and I just got, he was so aggressive at me. Like, I just send him one question, da-da-da-da. And the next minute, he's giving me these screeds of, well, you know, this says this, and, you know, the Quran says this, and da-da-da-da, and just aggressive. You know that aggressive spirit in that, in that culture? And that's why we're not live streaming. I can talk about it a bit. And, um, so, and so I'm just saying, wow, this guy's really aggressive. I'm feeling that spirit of aggression just over the emails. I'm thinking, man, I should just block this guy, man. I'm done. And then I thought, you know what, God? I believe in what the disciples did in the book of Acts. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in the realm of the miraculous. I'm like, give me a word of knowledge for this guy. Something that only he could know. Something that will blow him out of the water. Something that will shift him. Amen? And so I start to pray for him, and eventually this unction starts coming up in me. I'm like, all right, Lord. And I got three words of knowledge, so I tried the 
the easiest one first. You know how you do that? I don't know if you do that, but that's sometimes it's like, okay, I'll try the easiest one. I said, you have struggled sleeping at night. The Lord shows me you have struggled sleeping at night as proof that um, Jesus is real because I know this. And he said, well, that's easy, brother, because I have no money and I have no job and COVID's here in the country and uh, that's an easy one. I'm like, okay, Lord, you got to take it another level, God. So now I said, the Lord shows me. That your wife gets sick and she gets pain in her body and you got to take her to the hospital and every now and then because of this pain, you don't know what it is, blah, blah, blah. And I never heard back for two, three days. And then when he emailed me, he didn't email me about that. And I thought, I've got this guy. And I'm like, okay, Lord, take it to the next level, God. And then I got out the bazooka, the big one. And I'm writing this email. <laughs> I'm writing this email. And in my mind, I'm thinking, if this is wrong. I have ruined the witness of Jesus Christ in this guy's life forever. You understand? He will go to hell if I get this wrong, Lord. But see, that's where God meets you, amen? On the edge, brothers and sisters. It's such a good place to be. Oh my gosh. And so I emailed him and I said, the Lord shows me that you have relatives high up in the Imam Egyptian priesthood. And they are Imams in this priesthood. And you're afraid of giving your life to Jesus because of them. And I said, send. And I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord, it's all up to you, God. I just give it to you. Isn't that a good place to be? See, God wants it to be up to him because he is itching to show up on your behalf. He is ready and waiting to show up, guys. And so there was silence for a couple of days. I just gave it to the Lord, sent him to hell, Father. Thank you. Yep, I did it. <laughs> and then he emailed me back, this guy. Big capital letters, man. How do you know? Are you watching me. This is amazing. Yes, I have relatives high up in the Muslim priesthood in my nation. And if I give my life to Jesus, I will have to leave the country or they will kill me. And then he, at the end he said, Tell me about Jesus. And suddenly, he went from this pride and this arguing. All the guards dropped, man. And for the last two weeks, we've been going back and forward all about Jesus. He's been asking me questions about Jesus. He is so open to Jesus. He said, we got to go from email to texting. We're now at the texting phase. And then he's like, eventually when I'm more comfortable, you can call me. We can go through the calling phase. I have more questions about Jesus. And I started to explain to him that Jesus isn't about rules and regulations and doing this and not doing that and everything that you have to do out of a fear of punishment. I said, I don't serve Jesus because I have to. I serve Him because I want to, because I love Him. And I sent him a big, long email, and he came back to me and he said, I love this statement, brother. 
You don't serve Jesus because you have to. You serve him because you want to, because you love him. Out of the whole thing, he got it. And I'm thinking, this guy's getting it. The Spirit of God is working in this guy. And then he said, brother, the problem is I'm a relative of Dr. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know who that is. Dr. So-and-so, what the hijab guy? And I looked him up. I'm like, this is the number one Sharia law university in Egypt. And God, through a word of knowledge, got me right at the top of the snake. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, for the gifts of the Spirit. Thank you for the gifts that you've poured out. For he ascended on high, led captivity captive, and gave gifts to men and women for the equipping of the saints till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And so during this time where I'm saying, man, there's 25 people allowed in these churches now, God. And uh, I can't do these meetings anymore, but I still want to be administrating your gift. You've got to show me how. I get this email. And this email is from some Belarusians who live in the UK who are emailing me in New Zealand asking for help, for deliverance. Like, oh, this is interesting. So I said, yeah, sure, we'll do a Zoom. Let's set up a deliverance session. Set up a Zoom session. Got the time right. Drove up from the farm up to this hill where I could get some good Wi-Fi, and I'm just sitting in my car, Zooming with them. I'm like, okay, let's start praying. And I'm thinking, you know what? Suddenly the gift of faith comes on me saying, I don't want to do this on my holiday, Lord. Make it quick. I just said, come out in the name of Jesus. If nothing happened, all good. They're over in the UK, man. Who cares? And then all of a sudden, this one guy's just like, I'm like, whoa. It works. Like, we know that God's omnipresent, but he actually is. Like, you can actually go through Zoom. I know Seth knows that, but I was like, this is cool. Amen. Come on, the anointing flows. Amen. We're not limited. Paul said, you know, I'm in chains, but the word of God is not chained. We are not chained, church. Stop believing the narrative, church. We are not chained down. The Word of God is not chained. It's explosive in its power. Hallelujah. So this demon so manifesting, it starts to talk. Now, Bill Sabritsky taught me, you don't converse with the devil, but you can confront it, amen? Because Jesus did. He asked the demon his name. So I said, demon, who are you? He said, I am a Janissary. Janissary? I thought it was like a name from Hogwarts or something. You know what I mean? Like some of those demon names are just like Harry Potter. I don't wonder where she got that from. Anyway, and um, I was like, Janissary. And so I'm like Googling on the side, you know, Janissary. Okay. I'm like, okay, just wait there, spirit. Please don't go away. I'm just Janissary, Janissary. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not supposed to get happy about doing deliverance, you know, because 
you know, you're supposed to focus on Jesus, but it, it does do something for the soul, man. A good deliverance, you know. <laughs> and so I'm like, Janissary, find out Janissaries were the elite guard of the Ottoman Empire. The sultans of the Ottoman Empire. The elite guard. In fact, Janissaries were stolen from Christian families. They were kids stolen from Christian families. And they were raised in the sultan's palace. They were taught Islam. They were taught to be vicious warriors. And then when they were ready, they did an animal sacrifice to dedicate them to the sultan. And this spirit had tracked through this family for generations, destroying generation after generation and a little boy from New Zealand found it. <laughs> and I was so happy. I got you, devil. And he said this, I've been dedicated by blood. I said, what kind of blood? The blood of animals. And I said to him, well, do you know the blood of Jesus, devil? And he goes like this to me. He goes, now, da in Belarusian is not like, duh. Like, you know, like Homer Simpson, duh. Da is yes, just so you know. I've learned a bit of Belarus, okay? Da. You know the blood of Jesus, devil? Da. Okay, so you know that the blood is more powerful than the blood of animals and your dedication. And this man is now dedicated to Jesus by the cross of Jesus Christ. So you have to leave. Da. Do you know Jesus, devil? Da. You do. So you know you have to leave this body. Da. Then come out in the name of Jesus. And that guy got a generational spirit deliverance, man, in his whole family line. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're just flowing with the Lord. Amen. Just moving with God, the gifts. Oh, I just feel that anointing for the gifts, man. Just flowing for God's people. It's easy, but it's hard. Do you know what I mean? It's easy, but it's hard because the enemy masks it, the gifts, as hard. But when you step into the door, it becomes easy. Hallelujah. So I'm driving down the road. This is the holiday still. And I'm loving my holidays. You know, the hot sun's coming in. Got the air con on, but it's still hot. You know how you do that? It just feels nice, but you still got the air con. And it's just like, yeah, I'm just going into town, just doing something. And I see this guy on the side of the road, and he's got a cast on his arm. It's the middle of the day, and he's just walking along the road like this with a cast on his arm. And I feel that unction. And I said, God, I'm on my holiday. Choose someone else. I know none of you have done that before. And so I kept on driving and the unction was still there and I'm looking at him in the mirror. I'm like, no, God, you know I've done it all year. I've been at 52 places, Lord, just for you. I've sacrificed for you, Lord. Don't make me do this. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has this kind of relationship, man. <laughs> and I talked myself out of it. And then as I'm driving into the town, I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, Joe, never be too busy 
to love the one that comes across your path. Never be too busy to love one. There is always time for one. And I said, that's a great lesson, Lord, but I ain't turning around. <laughs> I'm stubborn sometimes. And um, when God uses it for good, it's good. And so I drive, pick up what I was picking up, and then for some reason I didn't think. I went home the same way. Like if I was smarter than the Lord, I would have gone around the other way home. And so I'm driving past, and he's walking still. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so I turn around, and I pick him up, and I open the door. I say, hey, brother, I think you need a lift, man. He's like, yeah, I do. He gets back in the car. As soon as he gets in the car, he begins to break down weeping. And the presence of God fills the whole car. And he starts telling me the story. He got beaten up by his flatmates. They got drunk one night. They beat him up. They threw him into the oven on the stove. He's got burns up and down his arm. His arm hasn't healed properly. He's in the sling. He's weeping and crying. And he has to walk to his uncle's house in town. And he starts telling me all this like he's the guy that fell among the thieves. And as I'm listening to his story and he's weeping and the presence of God is breaking, I hear the Lord say, you almost became the Levite and the priest that had a real good excuse for not ministering to the one that fell among the thieves. Ouch! <laughs> like when the Lord is doing a scalpel on you, you've got to laugh. Am I right, Seth? you got to be able to laugh about it because, ouchie, it hurts. And so I just blessed this guy. He gave his life to the Lord. I prayed for his arm. He kept, took off his cast, and there was just a smaller thing on his hand. He got blessed. I gave him a bunch of money, and I just took that guy to the inn with the oil and the wine, man, and left him, and I felt so good that I wasn't that Levite and that priest. I didn't get too professional, too much of a professional Christian. Amen. Ticking my box for the week. Amen. Feeling good about ticking that box. Instead of walking with the God of the universe. Walking with the God. Of the universe. <laughs> he lives in us. He wants to get out. Like some of us see this picture of Jesus on the inside of us. Just let me out of here. <laughs> no, stay in, stay in, stay in. <laughs> Just let him out. You won't know what God can do. He will do radical, crazy, unexpected, amazing things. You will have moments when the gift of faith and the mind of Christ impacts you in such a way that you will think like crazy, amazing, impossible thoughts. There's something in the Bible about that. With God, all things are possible. Amen. I'm going to share one more testimony. Oh, Lord, the gift of faith. So one day we were in Hawaii, and a cyclone was coming. Have anyone been in a cyclone here before? They're pretty big, right? 
Unfortunately, I've never been in a full one before. But I would like to be one day just to understand it. But every time they've come when we've been in the islands, for some reason they've disappeared at the moment of impact. And so Hawaii was one of these times. So this cyclone was coming to Hawaii. It's coming to the big island. It's coming to this. It's coming to that. And all the news is on fear. They showed the same car flipped over all day. You know the news does that? They take that one thing, man. It's that same flipped over car. I'm thinking, oh, and now it's coming. And then they show the same flipped over car. I'm like, that's the same car all day. And so it's coming around the coast and it's coming to Oahu. And we're on Oahu. And I got rung up by the council of the hall we'd booked for the crusade. And they said, we're so sorry, but we're canning it. All the military, everything has been shut down. Everyone has been bunkered down. The whole island, this is an emergency. The whole island's being shut down. And I said, well, what if, what if it disappears? They said, well, we'll call you on Saturday if it's disappeared and uh, you can do your meeting. I was like, okay. So I'm lying in bed there and I'm just turned off the news and the TV. There was so much fear. And I'm lying on the pillow and I'm meditating on God and I'm talking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, what are you going to do? And the Lord looked at me and he said, what are you going to do? <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, that's right. Because when you're in the bow of the boat and the storm came, and Paul's talking about storms, so it's his fault I'm sharing this. And the storm came and you got up and rebuked the storm. Then you turned to the disciples and you said, where is your faith? What? Jesus. I mean, we know that you're the son of God. In church, we've got that. But what we're learning to know is that we are sons of God. And this is what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. He rebuked the storm. Then he said, where is your faith? Because he was trying to get them to do it. And this is the shift that's happening. We're going from a separation to a habitation to a visitation to an incarnation where Jesus has been incarnated in our lives and we're stepping into that realm. Amen? And it doesn't mean that you're this puffed up, proudful, disassociated, uh, unconnected to the church person that thinks, well, now I'm a child of God and so God bless me and all that. That's the opposite of, a, of being a, having a revelation of your sonship and your childlike nature. Amen? But what it's about is walking with Jesus. And him being our example. And so I just thought, well, okay, what am I going to do? Well, if I was Jesus, I'd rebuke it. Because that's my pattern, right? He's my pattern. So I'm there on the bed and I'm like, okay, let me find out. And so I Googled where it was going to land, where it was actually going to come in, the cyclone. And it was about six hours from full impact. And so I worked out that there was this one beach that it was going to hit. I'm like, okay, that's where it's going to hit. So I'm going to just go right there. I don't know if anyone else thinks that this is just silly, man. And then I thought, okay, I need people with faith. So I'm thinking, who can I call to come with me? And the only people I could think about was these young teenagers that had been to a Randy Clark school for a whole year and had come back to Hawaii and they were radical. 
and they drove around with a para rubber pool in their boot and they would drive to locations and beaches around Hawaii and they would take out the pool, fill it with water, preach the gospel, baptize people right there, get them saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and then move on to the next beach. This is the generation that's rising up, by the way. <laughs> if we can get them. <laughs> and so I rung them and I said, guys, you want to do this? Let's go rebuke a cyclone. They're like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Come on, I got my crazies with me. I was like, I'll meet you there in an hour. And so I jumped in the car and we drove down there. We all met up. Everything was shut down. There were no cars driving. You know the seriousness of the situation, right? There were no cars driving. There were no people out. There was like a couple of homeless people just, you know, bunkering down or whatever. There was no one. Everything was shut down. And we got to the beach. The wind is howling. And we start prophesying. We command this cyclone to go into the sea. And we drew a line in the sand and we said, this is a line in the sand and the cyclone is not allowed to pass this line. And then one of them took up the stone and he said, even as I throw the stone into the sea, so I throw the cyclone, it shall go back the way it came. And he just threw the stone into the sea. And then they looked at me and they said, what do we do now? And I said, I don't know. I said, I guess we do what Jesus did and go have a sleep on a pillow. <laughs> so I said, I'm off to have a sleep. <laughs> About a few hours later, man, the news networks from days of fear and doubt suddenly said, the cyclone looks like it is turning around. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Then the next hour, the cyclone has turned around and gone back out to sea. And they showed a graph. Amen. They showed a graph of the cyclone and you could see the trail of it going heading right towards this beach and then literally it goes 180 degree turn and goes straight down back out to sea it didn't go like that it went nope can't go there <laughs> it was amazing amen it was amazing and there were other people praying, you know. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that it was anything, but it's that faith, amen. And so afterwards, after the anointing lifted and the excitement and everything like that, I was sitting down the next couple of days. I'm looking at a computer and I'm looking at the cyclone graph, okay? And I'm looking at this thing like, they are big. Like that cyclone can take up half the Pacific. I mean, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking there and I hear the devils, who are you to do that? Who are you to share that? You know, who are you to do, say you could do that? And I'm like, you're right, voice from nowhere. <laughs> because cyclones are so big, this is ridiculous. And then I heard the voice of God say, how big do you think I am? How big do you think I am, Joe? And I got on my knees and I repented. I said, Lord Jesus, teach me more. Show me more of who you are and how big you are. Well, guess what? We got the call from the lady at the council in Honolulu saying, I don't know what happened, but you can do your revival now. <laughs> and we got to put on the meeting. 
healing and people got saved and healed and delivered and it was glorious. Amen. The gift of faith. See, when you're in the natural and you have an issue, the more you look at your issue, the bigger it is. Amen. But when you get in the spirit and you look at God, the bigger God is. Not that he needs us to try and make him bigger because he's already big. But in our perspective of the realm of life, his perspective begins to come into our soul and we begin to see him as big as he really is. And then when we come into the natural realm, suddenly our issues become small. Because what you look at, you magnify in your life. And your giant is the smallest the first time it talks to you. And if you let it talk, it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. (laughs) But if you look at God, he will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in your life. Are you ready for the bigness of God? I don't know if that cyclone left because of my prayers, man. Maybe I'm just a crazy guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can go with that. But the principle is true, that we can speak to storms and speak to mountains, and they shall move because we have the faith of God. And that gift comes. Hey! Hey! Hey, hey, from time to time, the gift comes and you see what it's like to think and act and speak like Jesus. And things will shift in your life. unbelief that torments you that you grew up with 
in those church environments that didn't believe and has tormented you and kept you from the love of God. Put your hands on her, woman of faith. And, and has kept you from the love of God shall be no more because tonight I'm dropping it in your spirit. You will believe. And I come against the seasons of disappointment where you had prayers that weren't answered and the enemy built on that lie that said, see, it's not for you. See, God doesn't love you and reinforced the lie. And then you expected it. And so you got it and you built that wall of unbelief. But today I'm tearing it down, sister. I know the people on the outskirts of the city over there behind the wall can't see what's happening, but she's having a deliverance right now. I need someone to clap right now for some deliverance in this lady's life. (laughs) How do you know her? The auntie. Hallelujah. Why are you crying right now? You're speaking the truth. Huh? You're speaking the truth. Jesus, I might not know. <laughs> what do you mean a first time? Huh? <laughs> Just say that again. This is her first visit to Hope Center. <laughs> I feel sorry for the newbies, you know, because there's something that I just get them, man. It's like I can't even help myself. This morning I was at this church and we had these newbies there, you know. And it was like this lady on the Zoom screen. I was like, stand up if you need healing. This lady on the Zoom screen, this old lady at home got up. And, you know, she's obviously protecting herself from any harm. And she stands up and the power of God hit her and knocked her onto her lounge. Like floor. And she just goes, boom, like that. And I thought, I've killed the lady. I mean, she went home to protect herself from what's happening in the world. And she's donged her head. (laughs) And I had to get the people on camera, can you just wave if she's okay? Like there were no catches. Reminded me of the islands. There's no catches in the islands, man. Anyway, there was this two new people that were there who had never been to church before, and they were like, what's happening? And I said, I'm sorry. God does this when there's newbies, but you have to know that he's real, and this is the sign that God is real. His spirit is real. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I've been tested, remember? <laughs> oh, who wants some faith, daughter? Who wants some faith, sister? Yeah, the gift of faith is in the building. The gift of faith is in the building, daughter. You've been there. Your spirit's like a caged animal. It's like you're caged, but you want out. You're like at the start of that rodeo. It's like the Holy Ghost is getting ready to let you out. 
and you're like, something's still holding me back. There's just a little thing that's still holding me back here. Some kind of rejection that you went through when you were growing up as a child and the way people would exclude you and speak about you. And there's something that's just holding you back a little bit, daughter. But tonight, it's leaving you. And you're going to be let loose. Jesus, Father, I break the rejection when she was excluded, when she was put out, when she was put down by those groups, and it gave her that little complex of a thought in her mind that maybe she doesn't deserve to be on the in crowd, but she is on the in crowd because you called her on the in click, the greatest click there could ever be, called the Trinity click, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and her, and uh, she's on the in, and you're going to release her. So I break rejection off her today. I break that sense of inferiority today, and I release her spirit like that bull out of a gate to live for you, to serve you. And I saw the mission field. I saw it might start with your local supermarket, but I just saw you catching that fire to go and tell people about the love of God. It's on your life, sister. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How is that, daughter? Huh? Huh? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Both of you have battled with the same thing. And there's a connection there because you have similar battles. But in the same way, you're going to experience God in a similar way. And God is going to use your friendship to challenge each other to go further in the adventures of God. Because you're casting off the shackles of the past and of people's opinions. And you're moving into the realm where only God's opinion matters. Amen? (laughs) Does that sound good to you? Yeah, what's happening? Hey, hey. Who wants the gift of faith tonight? It's so good to have a cheerleader, man. Like someone just, come on, you know, wave the hanky, come on. Well, he's not isolated now. Praise the Lord. Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Now, did you grow up in like a religious church environment or anything like that? Pardon? Briefly. Because that's what I felt. That's why I'm asking you that. And it 
it did something on a subconscious level to your ability to believe. And that's why there's been a struggle in your life in terms of believing. Like you want to know Jesus, but there's always been that wall. Well, that wall has come down today. And this is a pretty safe place for you to be. So I'm really glad I met you. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, can we just clap to the Lord right now, Father? <laughs> Should we do an older call? <laughs> I gotta come this side, man. Come on, babe. Help me out here, man. Help me out. Come here. Help me out. The outs we're in the inner sanctum now, man. Oh, I just got an electric shock from her. A shock in my hand. Jesus mighty name. Who me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Then who? (laughs) I don't even know what that's from. Who stole the cookie from the cookie jar? Oh my gosh. Who stole the cookie from the cookie jar? Who, me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Then who? He's like, how do you know that I steal cookies? We all steal cookies, buddy. The adults just do it and no one's telling them off anymore. We all steal cookies. He's pointing to his dad. He's like, daddy steal cookies. Sister, the Lord wants you to know that you can steal as many cookies as you want. Because your father loves you so much. He loves you so much. You've always had lack in your life. There's been a poverty spirit that has attached itself through the family line. And it's always been lack. And even in your life now, it's like every penny saved is a penny earned. And you have that mentality like, if I don't use this well and spend this well, and I see you shopping in the spirit, I see you shopping, and it's like you're checking every cent. Because you know how precious every cent is. And you're weighing and you're counting the food and what needs to be gotten and how much you have. And there's nothing wrong with being frugal and disciplined about your finances. But there is a fear underlying that concerning a spirit of poverty that's a familiar spirit. And the Lord is showing me who stole the cookies from the cookie jar. (laughs) And the Lord wants you to know that you can and you're allowed because there's more cookies to come. And I just break off you tonight that poverty spirit. I break off you that fear of lack. And Father, I thank you that you shift the mindset into a mindset of abundance over this family. And I bless this family. I say take their finances to another level. Give them the picture that their God is a God of abundance. 
that their God is a God of overflowing, superfluous, the Bible says, exceedingly greatness. And that there's more than enough. Come on, babe, just help me out for a minute. Do you receive that today, sweetie? Come on, just stand up for a minute and lift your hands. Thank you, Jesus. See, sometimes we need to deal with the root of the hindrance, the blockage, before I can release the faith. There you go. Just let it go right now. Just let it go right now. I break the shame attached when you were growing up to not having enough. In Jesus' mighty name. And I release the blessing over you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Just let it go right now. Just let it go right now. Thank you, Father. I worship you, Lord. How's that, sweetie? Huh? You're tearing up? Huh? You feeling a release? You're so precious to the Lord. Are you liking this? Are you liking this? Yeah. Because I, when I prayed for her, it went over to you. And you need a breakthrough in this realm as well. Hey, hey. Thank you, Jesus. Just set her free right now, Father. Oh, there's a strong anointing. I'm just feeling it burning on me right now. Shoo, there's a strong anointing, sister, right now. You ready to get that deliverance right now? Thank you, Father, for your freedom, Lord, coming right now. Shift her. Shift her. That's it. I break the shame. I break the shame of growing up with not enough. I break the shame of growing up with not enough. I release you from that right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Because the realm of faith will come into your finances as well. The realm of faith will come into miracles in your life. The realm of faith will come into your finances. The realm of faith will come into every area of your life. When that gift begins to operate, that realm of faith will begin to move in every area of your life. God is so proud of you. There you go. Let it go right now. There you go. He's so proud of you. He wants you to know you are a good, you are a good person. And I see you carrying responsibility by yourself. Loads of responsibility by yourself. And I see sometimes that responsibility, that weight, just bears on you. And I see you have thoughts, negative thoughts that you don't want to have in your mind. But it's just that burnout of responsibility. And you've come here for a refreshing. You've come here to get away. But the Lord is going to give you a spa. The Lord is going to give you a pedicure. A manicure. The Lord says to me that I'm to pay for you to have a pedicure. <laughs> I'm going to pay for you. <laughs> I'm going to pay for you 
to go to a manicure shop and get a pedicure done. And juice yourself up. <laughs> oh, what's going on with you right now, sister? This is your first time here, isn't it? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the burden is lifting. You're going to go back home refilled, recharged refreshed. The Lord says that he's proud of you, the work you've done, the responsibility you've carried. He wants to be more involved in your life if you'll let him. Can you let him today? You're going to let him? Just say this. Say, Lord, come back into my life today. I surrender to you. Afresh. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on, babe. Help me out here. Oh, no. You know, it's just so good to be able to be myself in this place, Seth and Paul. You know, I just feel so blessed. I mean, the first couple of times I came here, it was like, I really wanted to get a word, you know. Got to get a word here, man. You know what I mean? just to make sure that whew, I'm on the edge. But today I just felt like, you know what, I can just be myself, just release the gift of God, share some cool stories, encourage people, you know. I don't want it to be about me, but I just believe we serve an amazing big God. Amen. He's bigger than we realize. Amen. And I just want people to catch that in their lives. Amen. So we're going to release the gift of faith. I think we have about 20 minutes. And uh, we're just going to release the gift of faith. And if you're just like an impartation of faith in your life, you want to say anything, babe? I've just had a good time today, man. I really enjoyed myself tonight. <laughs> oh, if you'd like an impartation of faith, can we get the band up? And um, I don't know if you guys want to take over or you say, want to say anything, but we would just love to just release a gift of faith. And um, you just got to expect, amen. It is a gift, amen, that can be imparted. So I just bless you. And um, if you're watching on the thing out there, Seth is going out to the function room to release his gift of faith. And um, I might join him in a little bit as well if I can get out there. But we're going to have a good time. We're going to release faith. We're going to believe for the God of the impossible. We're going to go higher, further, faster than we've been before, not because of our own ability, but because of His ability in us. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, can we just sing that song again? Um, any song, <laughs> and, um, and we're going to pray for people. <laughs> hey, can we put our hands together and just thank Joseph for that? Um, you know, we have been sitting in something, and as he's been sharing testimonies, there's been faith that's been rising, and, and there's been an impartation. But right now, if you're in the function hall on either side of the auditorium, why don't you come forward, and we're just going to release uh, these guys to, to, to pray for us. But I really believe there's an atmosphere, there's just... Uh, there's a sense that the Spirit of God is moving with faith. And you may be in the function hall and uh, on either side. Don't wait till somebody prays for you. Don't wait for the point of contact to release your faith. Because just right now, 
you can be just receiving from the spirit of faith. And people will pray, and we'll release also the prayer team to pray here and in the function hall. People will be ministering. But even before anybody lays hands on you, just begin to receive something uh, because there's an impartation of, of, of faith that what God is releasing here in this place. So, Spirit of God, we thank you. We thank you for what you are doing. And, uh, and we just thank you for this time of impartation, Lord.